Hello, hello, everybody tuning in for a new episode of Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Saren. I am so excited to release this episode today. I had a good friend of mine on the pod, Dr. Mary Schuster. So I have been wanting to interview someone on these topics for a while, and we literally, we, we hit them all. <laughs> We hit them all. So we hit, let's see, we got some of that pelvic information in. We got all that sex information in, birth control, um, menstrual cycles. I was going to say menstruation cycles, but I think it's all the same. Um, Yeah, we tackled basically everything dealing with the woman's body and reproductive system, and it was was a really, really good conversation. So I think you will enjoy this one. Share it with a friend or anyone who you know might be struggling with certain things with, um, you know, orgasms or pain or any of that. You know, if you openly talk about that with your friends, which you should, you should. Don't be afraid because we all, we all don't know everything, right? We weren't taught it growing up, and we kind of talked about that in this interview. But share with each other and talk it out. Never hurts. All right. Today, like I said, you will hear from Mary. She is a pelvic health physical therapist and then also a woman's health coach. She also is a yogi, loves her yoga. She teaches Pilates. She loves everything movement. And then she also loves journaling, meditation, all of that good stuff. So we talk about some of that in this interview as well. Um, And then she also is just doing her thing on her social media. So everything is listed in the podcast notes in this episode. You can find all of her social media links, her website, and then all of the amazing products that she talks about in here are also listed. And then we also reference a couple apps that are really great. All right, so all of that, uh, that, that, all of that is dropped below. Check it out. I can easily edit that out if I wanted, but I just do not feel like it. Okay, check it out below. This is a good episode. Listen to it if you are a female, if you're a male, whoever, because also males, we talk about pleasuring the woman. Ooh, la, la. All right, excited to have you here. See ya on the other side. We're about to get very real, a little silly, and you're going to freaking love it. I'm Saren, body image and self-relationship coach, lifestyle, aka everything cute and inspirational, entrepreneur, Pilates and yoga instructor, and spirituality-loving person. Let's get real. We all think the same things. We all have those crazy thoughts. The Soul Speak podcast is here so that we can allow ourselves to have those weird, awkward, unheard of conversations that no one ever talks about and prove that they are normal. Topics on judgment, comparison, inner criticism, sex, lifestyle, and spirituality all will be found right here on this podcast. Each episode, guests and I will not only bring you new ways of thinking, but also bring light into your life all together. Now let's speak soul. Is it like 50-50 with people coming in for like pain with sex issues or just pain issues or, you know, bladder issues? Like what are just some common themes that you see, like the top three? Top three. Well, Mm -hmm. the top umbrella theme is pain. I see most people coming in for pain. Mm -hmm. Um, The first thing, like, I guess if we're going into tears would be pain with sex is probably the most common. 
mm-hmm. whether that's pain with sex, um, when people are like postpartum, or maybe it's pain with sex with people who haven't had children yet, or really at any phase in your lifetime. Pain with sex is like usually the most common. Now, some people don't come in specifically for pain with sex, mm-hmm. like they'll have pain with urination or constipation. And then we get to talking and they're like, oh yeah, that actually is painful. I didn't even know that I could fix that. I'm like, hmm. yeah. We, we can. Interesting. Yeah. And the second most common I would see are really like immediately postpartum women. So those are people usually just coming in for some leakage or pain with sex or just wanting to make sure their pelvic floor is strong and healthy after they had a baby. And then the third most common thing I get people referred to me for is pain with urination, actually. Like mm. having a feeling like you have a UTI when you don't have mm-hmm. one. Or like oh, having UTIs when you don't have actually UTI. So that's because I work really closely with a urogynecologist. So we Uh see patients. Okay. Yeah. I can't imagine having just like a non-UTI UTI. I just like, how do you fix this? Because UTIs are awful. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, all right. I like all of that because I would love to dive into, um, you know, as women, we think that specifically like with pain with sex, we think, yeah, I mean, that's just how it is. And you kind of mentioned that already, like people don't even think about it because they don't even think it can change. Um, so we just deal with it. So I'd love to dive into some of these things that you may see women thinking that they just need to deal with. And I think we can go into like menstrual cycle things. And I think there's just a whole lot of that though, right? Like us both being women, we know it's, it's okay. And, um, it's, it's, what is the word I'm trying to think of? Not able. It's possible to feel our best. And I think sometimes we don't believe that, or we don't even know it's possible. So yeah. Yeah. So it's beautiful work that you do. So why don't you just dive in and just tell everyone who you are, what you do and who Mary Schuster is. (laughs) Of course. So I am Mary Schuster. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. And I'm a women's and pelvic health physical therapist. So I treat women and I treat men too. People of all ages um, working on pelvic health. So their bladder, bowel, sexual function concerns. That's what they come to see me for. Um, I'm also a women's health coach and I help coach women on really improving their menstrual cycle, um, painful periods, irregular periods, missing periods, or like all the PMS things we work on. Um, and I'm also a Pilates instructor and just a lover of all, all fitness, all movement, all wellness. Yeah. It all goes together. Um, it really does. Okay. So as far as periods go, um, have you ever been on birth control? No, I have not. Okay. Neither have I, and I will never go on birth control. And there have been many times I have. I've actually never had the thought of going on birth control. I just know it's like something extra in my body that I don't want. Um, I know there's reasons out there for why people go on it, but why would you recommend slash not recommend birth control or would you just never recommend it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's interesting. Actually, both of us haven't been on it before. (laughs) It's very rare. It's almost like finding someone who has never had a cavity, which I also have not. Oh no, I have. So (laughs) almost. Um, So close. Yeah. (laughs) I also had the thought, like, I just don't want to go on it because I'm like you and I, right. Don't like putting things in our body that we don't need to. That was my biggest thing too. 
But the reasons why you should go on birth control, the only reason you should go on birth control is to prevent a pregnancy. That's the only reason. Mm-hmm. The reasons you shouldn't go on birth control are for anything else. Like women will just get put on it for acne, for missing periods to regulate their cycles, for really heavy periods they'll go on it, or like really irregular. Like if you have any sort of menstrual cycle irregularity, the pill is literally not going to fix it. It's just going to mask the symptoms yeah. and not actually fix the root cause. So mm-hmm. you definitely should not go on it if you have some sort of hormonal issue. And people are telling you it's going to fix that because it's just not going to. The -hmm. only reason you should be on it is to prevent pregnancy. But I would go even further to say that there are ways to prevent pregnancy without using birth control. Like you're only fertile six days of the month. You Uh don't need to every day. Yeah. I know we've talked about this before. So I would love for you to share with everyone because this is going to blow their minds. So just share a little bit about, because I know you practice it in your own day-to-day life. So everyone, you're about to have your minds blown. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I, well, I've been tracking my cycle since the day I got it when I was 12 years old. Wow. Um, but you can do cycle, cycle tracking is one way to just kind of know when you're fertile. And there are ways to make it more accurate, but really the basics of it all is you can only get pregnant when you're ovulating, which is one day of the month. Um, and then your fertile window is about six days total. So basically you have one day where you ovulate, where the egg is released, it has to get fertilized, Mm -hmm. but sperm can live inside your body for up to five days. So then if you take five days on the day you ovulate one day Mm -hmm. after, just in case, you know, it takes a little bit of time to, um, fertilize the egg. You get about a six day fertile window. So that's the only time you can get pregnant. It's just six. Okay. Wait, so let's break that down now. Okay. So say, all right, say you have sex and then the sperm is inside of you. And then where is that safety window? So just repeat that again, one more time, like the safety window. Is it like, um, if that one day that you can get pregnant hits within that five days, will you possibly get pregnant then? I see. Yes. So really you have to know when your ovulation is, mm-hmm. so you have to track that. So if you, the safety window would be five, six days before ovulation or so. Okay. Five, six days before. And then, um, one to two days after it's a range. So you have to know when you ovulate. That's the key. Okay. So you find out when you ovulate by um, different methods. So you can use basal body temperature tracking um, and tracking. And what is that? Basal body temperature. So mm-hmm. that's what I it's do. It's where I- you rub basil on your body and then you smell <laughs> it. And then you're like, what is the temperature? <laughs> if only it were that easy. Like this would be so <laughs> no, Basal, like B-A-S-A-L, not the mm. number. Mm-hmm. Um, basal body temperature tracking. So I use the app natural cycles and I have an algorithm and it like predicts your fertile window, yada, yada. But basically when you ovulate, this is like the basic science. When you ovulate, your body temperature will rise by about a half degree. That's just what happens with the hormones. It happens. It always happens. So every time you ovulate, you get that increase in temperature. So if you're tracking your temperature every day, you'll see when it's, when it increases and you'll know you've already ovulated. So that's how the temperature works because you have to raise your temperature after you ovulate. It's just science. It's how your body works. So you can mm-hmm. track. Okay. So that's what the base of the body temperature is. So your cycle, your temperature is a little, you ovulate and it's lower um, when you get your period again. 
And then cervical mucus is something else you can use to track to be even more accurate because your cervical fluid will change based on how fertile you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and like your cervix position too. Okay. So I honestly only do the temperature tracking and it's worked out for me, but to make it yeah. even more accurate, you can do those other things. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'd assume, you know, if you start the app, it's probably going to take a little bit of time for it to get to know you too. You don't want to just assume right away because a lot of people have irregular periods. And Mm -hmm. then also, even if it's not irregular, the apps don't always know. So (laughs) condom app, Um, (laughs) maybe, I don't know, take the condom. (laughs) I mean, it'll take at least three months for your site for any sort of app to get to know just like birth, a little bit of time for your cycle to regulate yeah. your, your hormone cycles are like kind of three month increments. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Okay. And then <laughs> as far as the mucus is, so is there, what are the textures and colors and things that they can look out for with that? Yeah. So really with that, it'll just change in consistency. So to be honest, I'm not the biggest expert on this, but I know okay. that when you're more fertile, it's kind of more like an egg yolky. Mm-hmm. yeah clearer, clearer yeah and then you're not as fertile it's just a little bit different thicker yeah yeah well and I think I mean we know just being people that it happens to um like I definitely notice a difference where uh, this is a lot of information but you know there's more that comes out like if I pee and then I you know there's a lot that comes out and it's very it's more clear for me actually um I guess that would be normal so yeah. But after you ovulate, it'll be a little bit thicker and whiter. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And your cervix, um, posi- so your cervix position actually changes. So when you're ovulating, it's a little bit lower. Uh-huh. Like, oh, it's for sperm to get inside. Uh-huh. And when you're menstruating and when you're not ovulating, it's a little bit higher. Interesting. Yeah. And you just said for the sperm to get inside, it makes it easier. Isn't that right. so beautiful how our bodies work like that? It's like, they just know. I know it's amazing. I mean, the acidity in your vagina changes, like so many things change. Yes. And it's just down to like the smallest little like sand size thing. Like so Mm -hmm. many things are occurring in our bodies and this is a little off topic, but like I was at the beach the other day and I was just looking at one of the pelicans or whatever they are that fly in the sky. Um, they're not pelicans. Um, what are they called? Those seagulls. (laughs) I was looking at the seagull. It was right in front of me. And I'm like, gosh, isn't it so crazy how they have literally every perfect feather on their body for them to fly? Like they have random long, dark feathers, then these small blah, blah, blah feathers. And I'm like, every, everything is perfect in us. And it's crazy. Like we were created perfectly. So like with birth control that, um, from what I know it, it, you're not really having an actual cycle menstrual cycle and cycle throughout the month if you're on birth control, because it is like altering it almost like robotic cycle. So Mm -hmm. it's like tricking your body and you're not actually having these, these real emotions and these real things that actually occur when you go through your cycles. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would love for you to just get a little bit more into that, like menstrual cycles and what those are, what types there are and what that looks like. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Like when you're on birth control, you don't have the same hormonal fluctuations and if you're not on birth control. So the cycle isn't really there um, or doesn't look the same way. So, so what are, what's, ha- I know this is a little off, but what are, what is happening to your emotions then when you are on birth control? Is there like something specific? 
gosh, so many things. Like, <laughs> there's, I knew there's, by your face that opened up a whole world of things. <laughs> yes. So many things. So there's just so many, there's so many different types of birth control too. Uh-huh. Okay. But I guess the biggest thing, overarching thing we can say is when you are on birth control, you're not ovulating. And so the connection between your brain and your reproductive organs, your brain, your ovaries is just shut off. So you're shutting down a pathway between your brain, your mental, emotional center and your body. Interesting. Uh, Forever? Like every day of, okay. Well, yes. So it changes. Every day you're on it? Yes. Wow. Wow. When you're on birth control, you're not, your body's not producing the same like hormones as when you're not on birth control, right? Because you're not Uh cycling. So those hormonal fluctuations are, and for a natural cycler are great because it allows you to, your energy changes, things ebb and flow. And these things can still happen when you're on the pill too. Um, But people always say like, they don't really feel like themselves when they're on the pill versus when they go off of it. You can like Mm -hmm. feel more in your body. Like you feel like you're more in control of things, Mm -hmm. even irritable versus like on birth control, this is people that said, commented to me, just felt like they weren't like in control of things or could kind of tell like, this doesn't feel like me or it doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. You're honestly not in control of those things. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people when they come off of it, they're like, I feel even more like themselves, like a myself. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Well, that's getting to know getting to know your body too. So people get, you go on this so young before people yeah. even teach you that. Well, you because have- you're told and you don't even know you have an opinion because you're young and you're like, okay, I'll just take it middle yeah. school, whatever. Exactly. So my biggest thing, I don't like to say I'm like against or anti birth control. I'm just very mm-hmm. pro like educate people about their bodies. Like mm-hmm. you want to make an educated, informed decision, especially when you're young about what is this going to do to me? What are the long-term effects? What are the long-term side effects? Um, and is there another option? Like people aren't told another option. Like we're scared as children to thinking like, don't have sex. You'll get pregnant and die like mean girls. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not just, this is not what happens though. Yeah. Um, so we're just like scared into these things. And so you get scared into doing something without really knowing all the answers or knowing all the options. And people just don't want to take time to teach us about our bodies. It's just awful. No, I know. It's really crazy how, how things are so, and I just want to say like scientific almost, like obviously this is all science, but it's, it's very just like bland. It's like that, 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 like, why are we being taken through our life? Not knowing who we are. Like that is the most important thing because that's why people get so lost in life and get depressed and also just get lost is because they don't know who they are. They don't know anything about themselves, not just like about their bodies, but mentally, you know, everything. It's just, we don't know who we are or how to take care of ourselves as much as we really could, because there's so many possible ways that we can, which is crazy. So, uh, okay. So now go ahead and dive into those menstrual like what the cycles look like, because I think that's also going to blow everyone's minds. Um, the first time I heard about it and learned about it, I was like, basically this, I'm like, wow, I'm a woman. This is my body. And I didn't even know this. I didn't even know any of this. It's almost like being given a, a new, I don't know, a new dog and not knowing how to take care of it. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Right. So 
diving into like what the cycle is and like the different phases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your the textbook length of a menstrual cycle is like 28 days. But your cycle, if it's healthy, should range between about like 25 to 35 days. So there's four different phases of your cycle. So the first phase is called your follicular phase. That's right after your period ends. So your follicular phase, first phase, where really the follicles in your ovaries are starting to grow. Like you have pretty good energy. You're feeling pretty light. You're feeling pretty energized, pretty good. And the follicular phase leads into the ovulatory phase. So ovulation is like the big, amazing part of your cycle. That's when you release an egg because our bodies are designed to get pregnant. So we get a chance once a month to get pregnant, whether or not you're trying to, that's just what's happening. Mm-hmm. So that's the big like to do like, yay, ovulation, release the egg. That's like the best time in your cycle. You're feeling literally amazing. Social butterfly, most energy, you're more attractive. That's like evolutionarily look more attractive to, you know, make a baby. So people mm-hmm. want to like, interesting. Get with wow. you. Yeah. You're shiny. Like I mean, probably energetically. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And your body too. Highest vibe. Wow. Um, that's a good time to go on dates then for all the single people. That's when you download on your other phases, download Hinge and Bumble and Tinder, and then get your dates prepared for that cycle. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> and, um, following the ovulatory phase is the luteal phase. And that's the longest phase. Mm-hmm. Kind of when you're if you haven't fertilized the egg, right, it just kind of gets out of your body. And then your um, uterine lining is like thickening in preparation for implantation. But the luteal phase is like, I don't, I don't want to say one of the more important phases because it's where PMS is going to come up if you have that. And mm-hmm. where hormonal imbalances, if you have PMS, are really going to show. So that's where you get those. If you're not healthy, healthy period, you'll hit the acne, the constipation, not the constipation. Everyone kind of gets a little constipated in that phase, but hmm. the acne, the bloating, indigestion, the severe mood swings, irritability, um, just fluctuations, like everything in that phase. What about, what about things like, um, like breast swelling? Is that more normal though? Seriously? Oh, that's interesting. That's all. I am still always have... I had horrible breast swelling, breast pain. Yeah, breast me too. Pain. Like I could not lay down yes. and um, during a Pilates class or something. Yes. That's a sign of having too much estrogen compared to your progesterone. Um, and yeah, that's a horrible one. Night sweats too. Like, huh. oh my God, I used to get night sweats, like thinking I was in menopause. Like that's how oh, bad. Wow. Yeah. Thank, yeah. Thank well, uh, no, it, it's funny that you noticed or mentioned it though. I would like to now pay more attention because I haven't felt I don't feel that much pain anymore as much. It's just something I know it comes up sometimes. Um, but it's funny. I was telling someone the other day, something I do notice, and this might just be like a, it's a real thing because I, I really notice it when I can't make a decision, my period is about to come. Like it, it, it's like, I cannot make a decision. I can't make like, do I want this to eat or this to eat? Do I want, it's like, I literally can't make a decision. I've noticed that pattern over time that I've just decided that's, wow, that's a real pattern. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Your menstrual cycle is a good time for getting things done or like making the decisions. Hmm. Interesting. It's for before that. Yeah. But all right. Anyway, so then the last one is your. Your menstrual phase. Okay. That's when your period's here, you're bleeding. It's your resting phase. So I always say that, but 
like it's your time to kind of rest. Like your body's like shutting part of itself. Like don't go too hard on yourself. But at the same time, you could be one of those people that actually gets more energy during your menstrual phase. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of those people, like I love doing hard workouts during menstrual phase, but I also hmm. sometimes I need to rest. So it kind of depends. I think it kind of depends on how much you're nurturing your body too. And like the week leading up to it. And if you're going hard the week leading up to your period, ignoring all the signs of like PMS when you have it, and then your period comes, you might feel like really worn down. But if you're kind of nurturing your self-care, I feel like you can set yourself up for better success during your menstrual phase too. Hmm. A lot of people do have menstrual, menstrual phase issues too, like really, really, really heavy periods, um, long periods, like heavy clotting, horrible cramps. Oh gosh. Period pain. Like cramping is not a normal thing for a period. Hmm. I just learned this a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I had no idea, but you don't have to live severe cramps, like a little cramp here or there, one thing, but you do not have to be in severe pain for days. That's yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. I know there's like a lot of things that we think are normal during our periods that are not normal. Mm-hmm. And it probably also has a lot to do with what we're eating, right? Like the different foods that are people are normally eating. Yeah. Um, I mean, food is a chemical imbalance in your body and your brain, And this also, my friend is a nurse and I was just with her and a couple other girls for someone's bachelorette party, like a month ago. And she's like, sorry, I just went to the bathroom. It smells really bad in there. Again, this is a lot of information, but she's like, usually it doesn't smell bad because I eat so healthy. And I'm like, wow, interesting. Um, actually mine doesn't either usually because I do eat really well. Um, which makes sense. And you know, okay, this is a lot of information and I'll just share it because we're talking about the vaginas, but, uh, (laughs) um, I remember one time, this was a person I was dating. He, I, you know, he went down there. Okay. And I, I asked him after I was like, how, how was it? I, you know, I was a little younger, not that young, but it's like, Oh, how was it? That moment of just knowing like, Oh, I was literally cringing like that. I was like, oh, he's like, actually, I remember his face. <laughs> he was just sitting back. He's like, actually, it was the best I've ever tasted because I think you eat so healthy. <laughs> I love that. Oh my goodness. How do you think about that? <laughs> okay. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a good compliment, but that's, but that's a real thing, you know? So like food literally leaks out of your body. Like it's just everything, everything. So like a lot of these things we think are normal, like going to the bathroom and it's smelling, it's, it's not normal really because the food that you're putting into your body. Right. And it's funny, like what the definition of normal is so, so different, right? Like a Western medical doctor will tell you, oh yeah, whatever, no big deal. Like it smells bad or only pooping every three days, not a big deal. But like from a functional health perspective, like you're so on point. You should be going to the bathroom very regularly every day. And it shouldn't be like a horrible smell. Like obviously it's not, we're not like pooping (laughs) (laughs) an explosive problem. Um, You're so right. And it's funny to kind of mention like, your vagina story too, is because (laughs) your your vagina has a microbiome that is, and so does your, your gut, your gut microbiome. So even things like yeast infections or recurrent yeast infections can be due to an overgrowth of yeast in your GI system somewhere. Like those, they're just so closely linked and we don't even think about. Can you describe what the microbiome is a little bit? 
to everyone else? Yes. I feel like you're more the expert. I mean, I know about it, but I'm curious how it, like how it relates to everything else though, like with women's health, you just kind of mentioned it a little bit, but. Your microbiome is really just the environment of your, your, your gut, your gut health, Mm -hmm. your digestive system. So in your microbiome, you have all these just amazing, beautiful organisms, bacterias, little, little things floating around, living in there that are healthy Mm -hmm. for you. Um, or you have an imbalance of the microbiome where you have too many of the bad guys versus the good guys. And then you can have digestive issues. Mm -hmm. Um, but your microbiome, not your microbiome, let's say your digestive health in general is related just to your pelvic health and vaginal health. Um, constipation is like, actually asked me earlier, what are the top things I see in my practice? The top thing I see in my practice that nobody tells me, like no one's coming in for is constipation. Mm-hmm. Everyone, like I would say 80 to 90% of the people that come in do not poop once a day and have constipation or it's like not good for them. I know. So how do you solve that for them? Do you tell them to drink water in the morning at least? <laughs> oh, the whole bowel routine. It is like okay. so, so easy to improve your bowel health if you don't have like something significant and serious going on. Right. But just yeah. for like Joe, who's probably not eating super great or drinking the best fluids, like you want to drink half your body weight in ounces of water try to get on like a schedule to go to the bathroom in the morning, eat something because it'll stimulate a bowel movement, um, use a squatty potty, there's bowel massage you can do, warm fluids, like take magnesium, like all the things, certain fiber supplements we recommend, everything. Mm-hmm. Really, the main, the main thing, eat more fiber. Eat more yes. fiber. Yeah. More fiber. That is and greens. thing for your women's health. Is yeah. Fiber is yeah. going to detox your body. It'll detox the hormones that you're overproducing. If you have period problems, it'll detox the gut bacteria. If you don't have good bugs in there and it will just help stay clean and feel yeah. good. So what type of fiber do you usually recommend to people? Because when we say fiber, I think a lot of people think things like a fiber one bar or flax seeds or something like that. But a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruits, like everything that is good really has fiber yeah. in it. Yeah. So actually my practice, usually what I do is we talk about fiber, but I have gotten to using like the, a ground flaxseed protocol, mm-hmm. um, because flaxseed has both soluble and insoluble fiber. So it has both types of fiber, the fiber that gets absorbed, the fiber that doesn't. So that's what I usually do. And I'll have people start there. And the main reason is because it's not a medication and I don't really, I can't, I don't prescribe things. It's just a food. food. Do you have them mix it with water? Usually you sprinkle it on food or something like oatmeal, okay. yogurt, whatever you're eating, or just like take a shot with water. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a specific, you can start with eating one teaspoon a day, um, work your way up to up to six teaspoons a day. And the goal of the flaxseed fiber, the reason it works pretty well is because it takes your stool consistency. Like if you have more loose stools, diarrhea or hard stools, constipation, it'll bring you to the middle. So you have a normal stool consistency, which is easier to pass and move through your system. So it's mm-hmm. not laxative. It's just going to take you one way or the other. Mm-hmm. That's what I usually recommend like clinically, like if I'm working with people. Um, but in general, so that's like a, like a specific fiber plan, but in general, fiber is literally everything. The one thing I feel like people don't really get enough fiber from is actually whole grains because people get afraid of carbs, mm-hmm. but oats, brown rice, quinoa, nuts and seeds, like all those things too. Like you've got to eat fiber, beans, yeah. beans, beans, all that. People mm-hmm. are like, yeah, I eat fruits and vegetables, but you know, 
does that mean you eat one vegetable a day or do you eat like mostly plant-based mm-hmm. <laughs> like what is yeah. the vegetables and people yeah. the legumes and the grains part too with our like culture of like oh my gosh don't eat carbs don't eat beans like it's yeah so terrible <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I used to be one like that because I would think like, you know, I like to feel light and I like to feel light in my body. And I would think, oh, that doesn't work for me. Oh, I don't want that because I'll feel heavy. But then it would turn into like a binge cycle where I do want this, but it's because I wasn't getting the proper nutrition in my body. So I find, you know, the best balance is really to make sure with your lunch, like I used to just have something very small for lunch, but and everyone's different, but at least for me, I know having that protein and greens and fiber balance is very important. So like I'll add a lot of times quinoa to my lunch, um, on top of my salad with whatever protein I do, but I like load up the greens, the veggies. I do usually like 30 to 25% of my plate protein. And then, um, the quinoa just really, really adds to that too. And it's a carb and it it's heavier, but then you go throughout your day and you're actually, your digestive system is working. Everything's working. So mm-hmm. it, it also like, I think for people just implementing these types of things, it takes a couple of days for your body to get used to it. Cause you're reintroducing a new way of eating and new things into your body. So you might feel heavy one day or this or that, but it really takes a couple of days for everything to start moving and mm-hmm. that microbiome to start clearing up. Right. For sure. And I will say like, if you are someone who does struggle with like constipation like 80% of people I work with you mm-hmm. don't want to just go out and like all of a sudden eat like 30 grams of fiber or something because you're <laughs> going to no. and feel terrible so if you are listening to this and going to start just start small um and don't overdo it because then you're going to feel bad and then you're going to think it doesn't work but it takes time especially if you're not used to eating a certain food that can be um more irritating to certain people you need to start slow for sure for sure. Mm-hmm. And make sure you drink that water as well oh so that gosh. things can move. If you don't drink water and you take a laxative or fiber or anything, it's just not going to go anywhere. You got to uh, Yikes. Ugh. So, okay. I think this is a good segue to go into real quickly what your like routine for the day is. So what are some essentials that you do and that you like just do every day? Oh, I just knew you were going to ask me this. I just had <laughs> <know you. laughs> So, I told you I was the perfect segue. <laughs> um, let's see. So my morning, my typical routine, I will tell everyone here, I am a night routine person, not a morning routine person, because I am not a morning person. I mm-hmm. love being morning. Like I will wake up really early on the weekends. I like being up, but I don't take a lot of time in the morning, but typically in the morning I'll like wake up. I take a fiber supplement right when I wake up, I drink my hot water. What is the supplement that you like? I take psyllium husk. Um, the reason oh, I take yeah, yeah, yeah. just the I, powder. Oh, just the powder. Okay. So the, the food, the way of eating I follow is a whole, um, whole foods diet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually called the bean protocol and I follow unique Hammond. She's super great on Instagram. So I do coaching with her, um, follow that program. So that's why I take the psyllium husk because it's actually really good at detoxing your hormones from your body. If you are an overproducer, um, it doesn't work for everybody, but it can. Uh-huh. Okay. And how do you take that? Do you take that like by a spoon or what? Water. You need to make, you need to mix it with water because it will gel. Up. Oh yeah. Gerol it. Yes. 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 Mm. So I take it. I just mix it with like six ounces of water and just chug it first thing in the morning. That's what I drink. Okay. And then I drink some warm water. So I'm getting ready. I make my lemon ginger water with collagen. 
I take to work. I don't do caffeine. Um, I don't really do coffee anymore. I used to be a hard coffee addict until I decided mm-hmm. to have period problems and stopped drinking coffee. Um, so I do hot water with lemon and ginger, a little bit of collagen. And then I just eat a very, very small breakfast usually because I'm not a breakfast person either. Mm-hmm. And then I get out for my day. That's like my typical morning habits. Mm-hmm. Um, I do... I did say I'm not a breakfast person. I love breakfast. I just don't really like to eat in the morning when I go to work. Mm-hmm. Then I actually eat a little bit of something again at 10, 15, and then I eat my lunch at noon, which is usually, if it's in the first half of my cycle, I'm eating a salad with lots of healthy fats. If I'm in the second half of my cycle, I eat usually like a chili or a heavier meal because that's what we need more of, of more like hearty and like cooked foods versus we need more raw foods in the first half of our cycle or easier to digest raw foods in the first half of the cycle. So I so first half would be like the first two cycles and then first two phases. So up till ovulation first two phases. Yeah. Okay. Foods, smoothies, smoothie bowls, salads, really light dishes, really light, even if it's lightly cooked sauteed vegetables, things like that. And then from ovulation to menstrual through menstrual phase, you want more roasted veggies, cooked veggies, steamed, um, more fiber, beans, things to like detox those excess hormones if you're producing. Um, and then you actually need more carbs in your second half of your cycle, complex carbs. So kind of going off on a food segue, um, women just like don't eat enough carbs. So you need mm-hmm. a carb, protein, and fat with every single meal. Yeah. Carbs, it includes vegetables, that includes fruit, that includes grains, mm-hmm. um, have some sort of grain or something every day. Otherwise you're going to crave sugar in the mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fat is really important too, because like, and that's just something I used to, I used to struggle with. Like I, I literally think about maybe in high school, I would literally just bring vegetables and lettuce as a lunch. And that mm-hmm. would be my salad, but I cannot even imagine having something without protein now mm-hmm. and fat, you know? So it's like, let yourself drizzle that olive oil on that salad. Let yourself eat that whole avocado. If you feel like you need that whole avocado, cause you probably need that whole avocado, eat those fats because then you're going to be able to also control. Like you're going to think, Oh, you know, I'll still crave ice cream and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I do crave sweet things, but it's actually, you end up finding yourself not even wanting that. Like it's when you actually do grab for that and you're like, I need something sweet. It's probably more so a habit at that point. If you have been eating a whole food diet, it's probably yourself just saying, well, I'm used to getting like ice cream when I want something sweet. So I need the ice cream, but you know, you actually start to crave those real whole foods rather than, you know, your body just shifts and changes and nothing's good. Nothing's bad. Like you just don't want to, you need balance. It's the balance in your life. It's important. So if you do have that cookie or that ice cream, whatever, let yourself have it. Um, but yeah, craving the, uh, those real whole foods is, and it just happens. It is. It's, it's what happens when you start to change, when you start to change, when you start to eat in alignment with your cycle. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Um, where are we? Oh yeah. So the second half of your cycle, you need more of those complex carbs and heavier. That's usually what I'm like eating for lunch. And then, um, I always incorporate some sort of daily stress practice into my routine. So whatever that is, I think that's so important for everybody whether it's like going on a walk, listening to a podcast, reading a book, journaling and meditation are my favorite. Um, just taking time for yourself, like eat dinner without watching TV, like, like sit on your balcony, like just take time to disconnect from everything is so important. And connection to self is something that's like a pillar when we, when we work in health and in, in coaching. Um, 
is connecting to yourself because that's how you're going to tune into your body mm-hmm. and be able to understand what it needs, which is what mm-hmm. a lot of people really actually struggle with. Like you and I are both extremely intuitive people, like, you know, we're Pisces. Mm-hmm. So we really know our bodies, but a lot of people actually don't have to really work on developing that connection to themselves. So that's a yeah. huge thing I think people should work on every single day. And then, like I was kind of saying earlier, my night routine is where it's at because <laughs> I wind down before bed. And the reason that that's my thing for me is like some people really need a morning routine. I work with people all day. So I'm soaking up everyone else's energy all day. So when I come home, I have to literally like cleanse that off. So like before I go to bed, I need to like cleanse off the people of the day, wake up with a clean slate. So that's why my night routine is actually way more important. And I kind of attribute that to just working with a ton of different people all day. Mm-hmm. So I do of you know no electronics past 8 39 wind down read do my like long shower face routine make my food for tomorrow drink my hot water that's like what I love to do mm-hmm. so it's really about I hate when people say oh the morning routine is like so important like you have to have one like you need to have just rituals you need to find stuff throughout the day that are keeping you accounted for because you're either a morning or a night person it's not bad to be one or the other it's when you don't have any sort of ritual that the problem lies Yeah. And I think the whole purpose of those rituals, it's not just to like be, be positive and blah, blah, blah. It's really, again, to help you drop into yourself and your body. So like, you know, I think it's important in the morning and you do it already. Like just, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It doesn't have to be wake up at 5am, do this workout. It has to be something that's going to drop you into you. So even if that's just like waking up, putting your hand on your heart and taking three breaths, closing your eyes, that is your new time. And you're getting into your body, slowing down, not grabbing your phone right away. I actually heard something on this podcast and I can't remember who it was, but I absolutely loved it. She was like, you know, I think it was part of Buddhism or something, but basically what you do. And so I've been doing it this last week is you just, you know, first thing, when you open your eyes in the morning, you greet the sun and you bring that sun into your body. So usually what you're supposed to do is like go out on the beach, literally greet the sun and absorb it. But if you can't, you literally just lay in bed and you close your eyes and you can put your hands on your body or just like whatever. And you literally just say like, you know, good morning, son, you know, come into my body, nourish me, fill me, whatever. And you just feel that lightness, that glowingness, that energy of that sun in your body. And it wakes you up for the day, which I thought was beautiful. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and on that topic too, real quick, I want to jump into sex. I know we like have talked about so much already. Um, but something I know with the menstrual cycle too, is like, we don't realize that as women, we're, we're obviously we're going through phases all month. We are every single day. We're in a different place. So that's huge because it's giving yourself permission to know that one cycle, you're going to feel, you said outgoing in the second phase or phase, I keep confusing them, but in one phase, you're more outgoing, you're more like radiating. And then other phases, you're just like more kept to yourself. And that's okay. Because as women, or anyone really, we think, oh, why am I not the same Tuesday as I was last Tuesday? And I was more outgoing and now I just feel weird and not myself. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Are you, are you thinking like in terms of like your sexual energy? No, no. I was saying I want to after this get into sex, but just like in general, us like giving ourselves permission to feel however we feel. Oh, yes. So I love, this is what I love, I think the most about tracking your cycle and getting to know your cycle 
is mm-hmm. giving yourself that freedom to just be whatever you want to be that day. So you said it right. Like every single day of your cycle, when you're naturally cycling with those hormones, you're different. Your hormone levels are different every single day of the cycle. So yeah, like in the beginning, you're just more energized outgoing. And in the second half, you're way more like reflective and kind of like introspective, kind of like nesting, kind of like doing things around the home in that luteal phase, like thinking more, like kind of getting things done, but thinking more about yourself and kind of just going inward. And that's what the menstrual phase is really good for too, is your energy is going to be drawn more inward during your menstrual phase. So that's why you might have more like physical energy, but like your mental energy might still be like, Hmm, I'm still focused on what is happening to my body. And I, maybe it's not the best time to be social. Um, and there, there's good and bads, like there's pros and cons to every single phase. Um, so it's not like you can't go out with someone, you know, during your mental phase. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have to change that, but maybe it's like a time when you know you're going to have to go inward a little bit more or give yourself a little bit more self-care or maybe don't do something like skydive or do something crazy dangerous or, you know, you're not risk-taking. Maybe you like go do something artsy or I don't know, go to a unique dinner. You know, mm-hmm. you can plan that, but it doesn't mean you can't be social every day. Yeah. Going to feel different about things mm-hmm. and to not beat yourself up if you're feeling more emotional this, mm-hmm. this week at work versus like last week you were feeling amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, every day is going to be different and that's, that's normal and that's a good thing. It's a good yeah, thing. I, I think it's beautiful um, because also it's just like men, they go through their cycle in one day, right? They go through their full cycle in one day. So that's why men are able to wake up at 5 a.m. every day if they want do their workout every day if they want, like they can have the same thing, but for us, it's going to shift and our routines even might shift a little bit too. Yeah. Routines totally. It's so true. They men are kind of easy with the fact that they just wake up, go to bed. Like it's the same. They do the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. I'm not a person. I don't like to be super. I love my routine, but like, it's kind of nice to have a cycle where it ebbs and flows like your energy. Like you block your energy into certain things. Um, and it's true, like our energy, it really is different. Like in the second half of our cycle, our luteal and menstrual phase, we need like more sleep. We need, we can't wake up as early necessarily. I know last week during my, my menstrual week, I was like sleeping in. I was like, I'm not waking up super early. I'm just going to sleep in a little bit, go to bed early. And it felt better. And that's the thing. When you start to track your energy on like a month cycle, I feel like you'll be more productive because you'll realize, oh, Like for me, if I'm having a really good week, let's say I'm thinking about all these things I want to write about on my blog, I'm doing stuff on Instagram, I'm doing social events, I can get it all done in one week. Then by the end of the month, I'm not like, oh my gosh, like I didn't get anything done. Like what am I going to do? And I'm stressing about getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. You can realize you're more productive on a whole, like month uh, over month. If you start to tap into like your productive times, your more reflective times, your good times for planning and brainstorming, your good times for going out and just work it all together. So Mm -hmm. even though one week might feel like, and get a lot done. Oh, three weeks ago, I did so much stuff. Like it's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And easier to, it's kind of easier to work that way. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And we should go over at the end, some resources that you like for tracking these things and, um, all of that. Uh, but so let's talk sex. So let's talk it. <laughs> So basically I know there's a couple things that, and it's so funny because I, <laughs> I have like a, um, on my bulletin board up here, it's like a mood board, I guess it turned into, cause I was going to make a 
what is it called? Um, vision board. And then I like cut out all these different things. And I was like, I started one day just putting the words up on my board. And I'm like, this, this is more of a mood board. Cause there's words like dream your heart out woman on a mission. And there is one that says sex. And I just like glanced up at it. So funny. haha. Anyway, um, there's a couple things I want to hit here. So pain and then orgasms. So first let's hit pain. And what is a like what pains should be alarming and should be checked out and what pains might be more normal or is there a normal for pains? I would say no pain is the goal. Mm-hmm. No pain is the goal. Now there might be some slight discomfort you might experience. Um, but if it's painful where you're gasping for air, you're like taken aback or it's like painful the entire time we're having sex and it doesn't really go away or if you have severe pain after sex mm-hmm. all that's not normal in general no pain is the goal um sometimes where it might be a little painful is like right after you have a baby the first couple times might be a little painful but I always tell people if it lasts more than like three times you tried it, it's severely painful that's not normal after you have a child um but yeah pain in general is just not you don't have to experience that so, so a lot of people will get pain with initial penetration during sex some people get pain with like deeper penetration or like thrusting and pain with sex can really be anything. A lot of it is pelvic floor muscle tightness. Muscles just can't relax. There's too much tension, but it can be vaginal dryness. Um, it can be like from having a baby, like scar when you had scars and like tearing, if you had that during um, childbirth, um, it can be, there's like psycho, um, psychological components, like being very anxious, like tense all your muscles up, kind of muscular thing. It can be mm-hmm. a lot of different things. Um, but in general, you don't have to have pain ever when you're having sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that now that you say like, cause that's the first thing I thought of when you said your muscles tightening, like when you mentioned that first, I'm like, Oh, that's definitely probably 90% of the time a mental thing, like people just being nervous or being in their heads or being anxious or, you know, thinking about how they're looking and that's tightened. It's not relaxed. And that I think is the result of like allowing yourself to get more into your body and knowing like what it feels like to be relaxed too. That's actually the, yeah, my client says the most helpful when the first thing we do when we talk about pain with sex is we do a little evaluation. I help assess their muscles and just teach them how to actually relax the pelvic floor muscles and give them some techniques. And that's the number one thing that I always say is the most helpful was just mm-hmm. the awareness of being able to relax the muscles. It's so what are those, what are like three or two of those techniques? So one would just be really deep belly breathing. So if you take a really deep breath, your pelvic floor muscles should actually lengthen. They should change um, whether they're contracting or relaxing when you take a deep breath because of your diaphragm and pelvic floor connections. So that's the number one. The other one would be to bear down, like you're trying to poop, like bear down, bear out, because that will actually inhibit your pelvic floor muscles from contracting. So those two usually work pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. And then okay, of course- so doing that before? Um, during. Oh, during. Oh. Yeah, during the bearing, during bearing down, if they're having pain with initial penetration would be the best because you bear down while you're trying to insert whatever you're inserting. Um, and then breathing like throughout to kind of just keep that pelvic floor muscle tone lower. Yeah. Okay. But those two things, like if you have severe pain with sex, those two things aren't going to do it alone. Um, but they're pretty helpful tips for most people in general. 
Okay. And then as far as like lubrication, um, coconut oil. Yeah. So first of all, everyone should have a lube that they like to use. It's mm-hmm. better for everybody. It is better for everybody. Your vaginal dryness and lubrication will change throughout your cycle. And it's just, it's better. It's going to feel better if you use one. So just go find one. Um, but recommendations. So coconut oil, I do recommend, but I don't recommend it for anyone who has recurrent yeast infections or like UTIs. Mm. Um, coconut oil is actually antimicrobial and the research is kind of mixed, but it can throw off your vaginal pH and make you more prone to some things like that. So if you have sensitive skin, if you know you've or sensitive these infections or just sensitive skin in general, I usually stay away from the oil, the coconut oil. Interesting. Uh, okay. So what are some natural, like other natural things you can use? Um, I love Good Clean Love, the brand. They're okay. more like an organic brand. I recommend their stuff. They have pH balancing ingredients too. So that's mm-hmm. what I usually recommend to people. They have vaginal moisturizers I like to recommend and also lubricants. And then also, uh, yes, is another brand that's like organic, water-based, natural. I recommend the water-based just because they're like lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also latex compatible, whereas oil is not. Um, so that's a big thing, especially if you're cycle tracking and not using birth control. You want to be latex compatible. So those mm-hmm. are the two brands I recommend the most for people. Okay. okay. And this is making me think of something else. So as far as vibrators... Do you know, like, do people, what would you say you clean those with? Is there like other specific products out there to clean the same, same type of deal? There's for sure specific products, but just use soap and water. And that's okay to insert then after you clean it with soap and water. Yeah, for sure. I have a lot of people used like, um, tools internally for pelvic floor therapy. Just Mm -hmm. soap. Mm -hmm. Need to do. Interesting. Okay. Um, and uh what anything harsh, that's for sure. Okay. Yeah. Not asking for personal reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, so, okay. And then I also want to talk about orgasm. So what do you hear a lot with that? Like any, any like complaints from clients or do you talk to anyone about not being able to orgasm ever? I do. So a lot of my clients now don't tend to have problems in that regard or they don't want to concern about it. But mm-hmm. some so all the people who have pain with orgasm or pain after orgasm mm-hmm. thinking after orgasming, which is also possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's do like an orgasm is just like a really quick, really quick contractions and relaxations of your pelvic floor muscles. That's like mm-hmm. what it is. So and how pelvic- long Oh, go ahead. Cause I'll ask this. I'll remember it. Okay. Um, so what was I saying? Oh, if you're already having pain with your pelvic floor or if you have pelvic floor muscle tension or tightness, then sometimes the orgasm is like just those muscles kind of spasm and it doesn't feel good. So that's what people will have problems with orgasms there. I also and it's painful like internally then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or it feel like cramping, it'll feel like a sharp pain. It could feel like anything depending on what's affected or what's going on. And then the other thing, people have questions about their orgasms, usually specifically how to have like a vaginal orgasm, uh-huh. um, not realizing that most people need clitoral stimulation with penetration to achieve orgasm, because that's just kind of how the anatomy works. Uh-huh. Um, 
or they'll like think they're like the only one who's not having a vaginal orgasm. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. You're not. You're in the majority here. Don't worry. Um, so that's the other questions they have really. That's really, that's really it. Okay. So what I wanted to ask was, um, because you said it's like the contraction. So is there a certain amount of time? Because this just comes back to like people thinking, oh, is this really an orgasm or blah, blah. Because honestly, like people listening, probably I would guess at least 50% question still if they've had a real orgasm because it's not talked about. It's not talked about. So is there a certain amount of time that like a real orgasm lasts like that, that, um, contraction lasts, like maybe it's three seconds or maybe it's 10 seconds because we all think, Oh, it needs to be this like huge ordeal. Or is it just like, there's different levels of it. Great question. So I'm not really familiar with the timing component, but there are different types of orgasm too. So like we're kind of saying the clitoral, orgasm versus like your G-spot, more internal. And it really kind of just depends on what is going on. Um, But I will say that the average time it takes for a person with a vagina to achieve orgasm is 13 minutes. So that's just like the average, you know, it takes the penis people like two minutes. Um, (laughs) It's like 13. Um, That's the fact. But there's just different types. There's no, what you will, like, this is... (laughs) I think when I learned this, like, you know, when we'll try like fake orgasms mm-hmm. and like, you know, your penis partner doesn't know, but like you're, if you're having an orgasm, your, your muscles are contracting, relaxing. So if we're not doing that, you're not, you might still be having one somewhat, but like, if it's not really happening, you don't really feel it. I don't know. You're having an orgasm, but make sure your partner doesn't know that if you're trying to fake them, but don't fake them. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think, I think it's just, it goes back to just giving yourself ease and grace and permission because there are different types and you don't even always have to achieve that. It's okay. If you don't, I mean, there's been multiple times where I have just like literally wanted to lay there with someone inside of me, you know, like I just want to just do that because that's all I want. And it doesn't have to always be about that. Let it be about the process, the enjoyment. Mm -hmm. Um, and then obviously that's a great add-on and there's different levels of it too. I think like there's different situations I've been where I felt like really, really outside my body and then kind of outside my body. And maybe you've been there too. And other people listening, it's just like, there's different levels. And again, just like our cycles and how we show up every day, it's not always going to be the same. Right. Definitely. And everyone is so, everyone's so different too. Like you, there, it's really hard to be like, there's no like formula for like, Oh, this is how to achieve orgasm. Cause everyone's anatomy is different. Everyone's like shape of their vulva is different where their clitoris is, how big the clitoral hood is like your positioning, all that stuff is different. So they said the best way to find out is to explore your own body. Kind of got to know what you like, know how mm-hmm. to do it. And then you can help your partners figure that out too. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's so different. And also I love like people with penises, but they aren't, the experts on the woman's anatomy. So they're not really going to know. So don't like, I think people get like concerned, like, Oh, I don't know if it's happening to me or if it's possible or if I'm having one. Um, and they're like, kind of expecting, I actually find this a lot with people. They're kind of expecting their like partner to just like figure it out for them. Mm-hmm. When they don't, they don't have our anatomy, like they don't really know, like they're waiting for you to tell them what you like. So you yeah. got to kind of figure out what you like even I, I mean, yeah. oh like you know, I'm not saying promoting anything but uh-huh. even you'd be like oh this feels good 
this doesn't feel good, right? Like talk to them, just like let them know what's going on or else neither of you are going to know. Like it's not just going to magically happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's not a bad Yeah. It's not a bad thing just to be honest too. It's like, they're not going to get angry at you. They're just going to, you know, and it's going to help them. It's going to help them. So help them help you. There you go. You all win. (laughs) If you're, you know, with the right person there, they want you to feel good anyways. So they want to know what you like. So just let them know. You don't have to be shy. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's um, a beautiful thing because it's also, it's just that practice of taking that time for you, you know, when you are alone in the shower or wherever, it doesn't have to be anything like super dirty, but maybe it's something just even just like, like really softly touching your body. What does that feel like? And not even what does that feel like, but it's actually letting you get more comfortable with yourself, you. So then when you go into the bedroom, you might be a little bit more open to saying those things or like just being more relaxed because you're more comfortable with you and who you are. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. All right. Well, anything else that you have heavy on your heart that you need to share to everyone? Honestly, I just want to share, get to know your body, get to know yourself, get to know what makes you feel good. What makes you feel light. If you're struggling with any sort of like hormonal issues, public health issues, know that you don't have to be struggling with those things. And there is a way to feel absolutely pretty much I don't want to say hundred percent, but your best like every day. So don't settle for these things that we think are normal um, when they're not, when you can be feeling great in your skin. So get to know yourself, ask yourself those hard questions. Is this something I want to feel like, or do I want to change my body and change my, my life? Beautiful. Beautiful. And the last question I ask all my guests since the beginning of time of my podcast is, if someone asked you really quickly in an elevator or somewhere in public, how can I hear my soul speak? What would you tell them? Listen, that's how you're going to hear your soul speak. Just listen, listen. go inward and just, it is, it's listen. That's how you're going to hear it. Start to call the intuition and the inner knowing. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And lastly, tell everyone, first of all, any like super upfront resources that they should be getting right now, like apps they should be downloading and then also where they can find you. Yes. So let's start with where you can find me. I'm on mm-hmm. Instagram at movement with mayor. And then my website also movementwithmayor.com. I try to post blogs, about my coaching and private Pilates on my website. And then information on Instagram. And the app I referenced earlier is natural cycles. Um, I think we can put a link to that. Yeah. I'll put everything in the bio. Yep. Link to you, all of that good stuff. Natural cycles. And then good clean love was the, um, amazing like sexual wellness brand that I referenced to for lubricants and, um, moisturizers. Okay. Awesome. And then for books, I like to, um, in the flow and woman code by Elisa Vitti are great. Um, Beyond the Pill by Dr. Jolene Brighton is great. And so is Fix Your Period by Nicole Jardim. Those are like my core books. I think. Okay, cool. And understand. Okay, perfect. So we'll link all those. And then, um, and then, oh, with Alyssa, she has the app to my flow, which is amazing for seeing your different phases too. So if you're interested in that, you can look at and see your different phases and 
track that and see like, oh, what foods should I be having during this phase? And it gets pretty in detail. So I like that one a lot too. Thank you so much, Mary. Everyone's going to love this episode. Um, well, thank you for having me. I'm so, You're so welcome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into that episode of Soul Speak, the podcast. Love having you here. And you can hit the subscribe button, share this episode with a friend if you loved it, or just save it for later to listen to again. I always love taking notes during my podcasts, not my podcasts, but any podcast I listen to. I think it's really useful just to go back and to look at the information. And I love note taking. Um, Go ahead and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you do not have an iPhone, you can do Spotify. Otherwise, I will see you next time and talk to you later.